Welcome to Asian Glow. We're your hosts. I'm Jackie. I'm April. And I'm Jojo. We're a podcast that talks about connecting to our cultures, navigating our careers, and building our communities as Asian American women. On today's episode, we have our friend Ed Nye as our special guest to talk about mental health and how growing up as an Asian American has affected our views on it. So the reason why we wanted to bring it up on this episode, due to COVID going on, everyone is now forced to be alone with their thoughts. So the four of us have all had very different experiences when it comes to therapy. All of our reasons for trying out therapy are also very different. April has not tried it herself. I'm in my second session and both Jackie and Ed started earlier this year. So Ed, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hey, I'm Ed. I am a 25-year-old Asian-American from the Bay Area. I recently moved to Brooklyn just under a year ago. And for work, I'm a product designer at a tech company. And yeah, I met everyone here through a mutual friend's birthday party. And it's been a, been a good friendship ever since. Okay, so to get started, Ed, can you share how you found your therapist? I was actually listening to a streetwear podcast called Business of Hype. And the host, Jeff Staple, was actually interviewing a therapist based in Brooklyn. Her name's Liz Beecroft, and just like a sneakerhead therapist. Essentially, they, at the end of the episode, kind of plugged this site called My Wellbeing. And so you enter what you're looking for, and it matches you with about three therapists, and you can choose from that. I ended up not picking any of those and going through another service called Zencare and finding specifically like a first-generation Asian-American woman who I think was a perfect fit for me. So what exactly from the episode made you want to seek out therapy? I think she just made it seem so approachable and sort of normalized in a kind of world where it's typically not that way. And I think coming from a Shewer podcast where I I didn't expect it, where it's very kind of masculine and like hyper-masculine in a sense. And so just kind of hearing it from the host and her perspective, I think it just made me feel like, you know what? Yeah, I think I should try this out. And when was this? Was this recent? So I think I listened to this episode in, I think, February. And so I had... So right before COVID. Yeah. So I had solicited, like, just finding therapists. And I had a kind of 10-minute conversation with my current therapist to just learn more about it. It was free. So I was like, why not? But when COVID hit, I was like, you know, maybe I should call her back and you know, schedule <laughs> schedule this first appointment. So were you specifically looking for an Asian American. And I'm also curious if you're specifically looking for a woman. I think to your first question, yes. But I didn't know that initially. Through my well-being, I had those three options and none of them were Asian American. Mm. And then I realized like a lot of what's going through my head is because of the way I grew up. And I think like it's easier for me to talk about my feelings to a woman. And Why so, is that? I don't know. I think I feel a little more comfortable. Growing up, I think my female friends were better listeners. And so I think it was just what I was comfortable with. What were your views of therapy before you started to get into it? I think it's sort of like taboo, really. I think in the past, in my head, I think if someone you know went to therapy, there like, must be something wrong. And in my experience in these past few months, that's definitely not the case. I think, again, like the best time to go to therapy is when you don't really feel too strong of like emotion, when things are kind of normal. So you you kind of have a good feel with the baseline of your what you feel and how things should be. Jackie, how did you find your therapist? So with COVID going on, I was lucky enough to have my company offering free therapy through an online program called Talkspace. 
I always looked at therapy, but the only thing that kept holding me back was one, it is very expensive and I can never justify the price due to what my problems were. I felt like my problems are manageable. I think I can handle it on my own. And I felt like I couldn't afford it. But when my company now gave me the option to have free therapy with COVID going on, being alone in a new city, I decided that this was the perfect time to take advantage of it and to kind of face everything that I needed to face internally. So when did you start? I actually tried therapy once when I was in college, but I just had a really bad experience on my first therapy session that I felt that I can handle all this on my own. Mm. I don't need her. I always had a bad view on therapy until I started again with now having a full-time job and being able to have my own health care. I had more of a chance to figure out what I wanted to invest in. I now have more time to figure out who would match me. Before then, I was going through a random selection of whoever will just take me. Now I'm more selective on who really can connect to me on my culture aspect, on my career aspect, and all this stuff. My entire life, I never had health insurance. So anytime I would go to the doctor, it'd be out of pocket. So I never thought that I could afford therapy until I started working full time. And even then, I felt it was too expensive. Mm -hmm. So I never really pursued it. But then at my current company, we have, I wouldn't say it's decent. It's like a whatever health insurance. But my copay for therapy is actually only $40 per session. So that's kind of what really pushed me into trying it for the first time. I want to add that finding a therapist can seem really hard and kind of scary because there's so many resources out there. But personally, I did a quick Google search, Asian American woman therapist in New York. And my first hit was psychologytoday.com. And I tried out two different therapists, actually. I'm currently seeing the second one and it's going pretty well. We're only in the second session, but... The first one, she was a really sweet Asian American woman, but it just didn't work out. And I tried her out for like two months. But the second one, I found her on another service called Headway. And I realized that that website actually had a much wider range for me to choose from. I would also take note that finding a therapist is like dating. The first therapist you choose may not work out and may not be the best fit. Don't let that discourage you from trying therapy. It, it may take some time, but once you find the right one, I believe it could be really beneficial. And I would also say it does take a few sessions to really find the value of it. Like I think for me, it was like I was expecting results from the first two times we chatted and that's just not the case. So I think, yeah, there's just a lot of layers to unwrap. It's, it's definitely a dating sort of scenario, but it does take time to really figure out if that person you're seeing right now is a good fit. It's interesting because you need to take into account what style works best for you and works best for your therapist. Because I think what didn't work out for me in my first try was that she was very passive and would just kind of ask questions. And she never really came back with any tangible actions or I don't want to call it homework, but anything for me to try outside of the session. It was just great talk. Let's talk again next week at the same time. And after two months of that, I realized I need someone who's more, who gives me more actionable things to try out outside of just the sessions. So I guess as someone that's never really had therapy, I guess what I'm really curious about is how each session goes and how it flows into other sessions. So Ed, you mentioned how it really took like two to three sessions before it started clicking and you're like, okay, like I finally get what she was doing. So how does that work? I think they get to know you for the first two months. Mm -hmm. 
Like, it's not just the first session I realized. Because for me, I was like, oh, we're going to cover everything in one go. But it's it's really not like that. So is there, like, a focus in each session? So the first one's like, let's talk about work. And the next one, we're talking about friends and family. Or is it like, let's just talk about everything under the sun right now in this 60 minutes? Yeah, for me, it was definitely driven by what I wanted to talk about. And at that first couple months, it was definitely around my career. We really use that time to kind of talk through what I'm thinking about, what makes me anxious, what I'm worried about, and really kind of uncover patterns in my thoughts. And once we figured those out, really kind of breaking things down to bite-sized pieces and tackling those things week by week. And I think the the most important thing for, for me with those sessions, I was like finding kind of a point of reference that I can refer to, like... I, I knew like a month ago we were chatting about this and being able to see myself kind of grow and mm-hmm. or maybe not grow and kind of regress. But having that kind of bar there to really refer to uh, was helpful for me. Yeah, I went the same way. It first started off what I wanted to talk about. And I did realize that I'm someone who filters a lot of things. And even with my therapist, I was filtering everything and I felt like no progress was being made. Not until I let all my walls down, been completely open with everything that I was dealing with, all my thoughts, then I started to see so much more progress. And what's nice is when you are talking to your therapist, sometimes you aren't realizing how far you progressed in your sessions. And now she's like, you've made so much progress on the way you think, how you approach a lot of things. Can you guys share an example of something that they would ask to get you to open up or just to move the conversation along? So one of the things I talk about a lot is just racing thoughts. I have a lot of anxiety around time and I don't know where it comes from. So she'll ask a lot of questions like what thoughts are coming up at that specific time when this happens? I would go to basketball practice a lot. If you're late to basketball practice, you would have to run and you would make your teammates run. So I would get a lot of anxiety of like, oh my God, if I'm late, I'm going to make my team run. And I started to notice that I don't like being late to a lot of things because I'm like, oh no, someone else is going to get a consequence of my action. So, And I didn't realize that until she would ask, like, oh, why do you get anxiety mm-hmm. around this time? What situation happened? Yeah. And kind of digging deeper. And once you finally get that self-awareness of it, it starts to pop up more and you're able to kind of figure out, okay, these thoughts are racing because of time, but now you are able to rationalize it of, like, is this something that you've realized through therapy or did you go into therapy already knowing that you kind of have a little bit of anxiety about time? I went into therapy knowing that I did have anxiety around that, but then I didn't re- realize how severe these thoughts were affecting me. Like I knew I would get, say, sweaty palms, racing thoughts, all this stuff, but I didn't realize how much it has affected other parts of my life. I think for me, an example of like something I bring up sometimes is imposter syndrome in the workplace. And I get a bit anxious if I'm like presenting to a VP or someone that I, I look up to and I know is like higher up and has a lot of power. And she she basically walks me through kind of uh, what I'm feeling at the moment and why I feel those, like what am I concerned about? And yeah, kind of like what Jackie said in terms of figuring out why that might be, whether that's because of my upbringing, my family and things like that. And from there, kind of just being able to unpack that. And then once we kind of understand that, it's really sort of offering up solutions, being able to reframe the situation so that in the moment, I just feel more confident that, you know, okay, it's not as bad as it seems. I'm here for a reason. And there's just kind of a sense of empowerment when you better understand what you're feeling. You're able to feel ownership over it. You know, you're, you're able to control it and it doesn't control you. 
So what was your view on mental health growing up? For me personally, being Chinese American and growing up with parents who didn't grow up in America, their view on mental health was definitely a little bit more negative. It's treated more like a physical injury. So it's like this person broke their arm, so they need to go to the hospital. Like there's something wrong with you and your brain, so you need to go to therapy. In Chinese, the way you would say someone has depression literally translates to head illness. Mm-hmm. It's considered really taboo and negative, and something that's kept very hush hush. I feel like nowadays people talk about therapy pretty openly. That's something I noticed about moving to New York. I felt like everyone was like, "Go to therapy, like it's great." But growing up, it definitely wasn't like that. So for you guys, do you think your parents know you're in therapy? Have you talked to it about them? What did they think if you did tell them? Same with you, April. I feel like mental health, it's not a tangible illness that you can see. And I still even fight myself on that. I still go to therapy and I'm like, all this stuff in my head, I can solve it myself. I can do it. And that's just growing up in an Asian household where if something's wrong with your head, if you're feeling sad all the time, if you're having anxiety all the time, if you have depression, then just get over it. Just be happy. Just keep pushing through it. Even when my parents are sick or if I'm sick, like you're still going to school the next day. Mm-hmm. You're still going to go to work the next day. You're still going to push through it. So I always felt that I can tackle everything on my own. I don't need medicine. I don't need someone to talk to about whatever's going on in my head. Since it's not tangible, you feel like it's not worth it. But a mental health issue should also be seen as any sickness, as any cold. And once I realized that I want to put myself first, that I care for my mental health, about being happy with myself, I now see a different view and hope that me even talking about this can show whatever is in your head is valid, whatever thoughts are coming. It's nice to talk to someone who has no... Doesn't have an objective. Yeah, yeah. They don't have an opinion. All they want to do is help. For me, my family never talked about mental health. We don't even have really a history, at least that we know of, because we don't talk about it, of mental health in the running in the family. But my parents always tell me that they feel fortunate that I have a strong mind and they always drive that point home. And I feel like that correlates with mental health because they know, they expect me to be able to push through anything. But I think because we don't talk about it, even though I was having these virtual therapy sessions at home, I didn't tell them and I would just do it behind a closed door. And I don't think I'll actually ever tell them, even though the main reason I'm going to therapy is much about my family. It's just not natural for me to talk about things like that. How do you think your family will react if you tell them? I actually think that my parents are pretty, you know, modern And they're still traditional, but they're very much open to a lot of things that may be considered more taboo in our Korean culture. So I think they would actually not take it poorly, but they would probably keep driving home the whole strong mind thing and how, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's not necessary. I also feel like when you tell your parents, even with other people, like you shouldn't be shy to tell people about therapy, but it's like when you tell people that their perspective changes. So when you tell your parents, oh, their view on me maybe may look as if something is wrong, as if I need to fix something. And same with friends. I'm very open about being in therapy and talking about it, but there's always something in the back of my head of like how this person views therapy can change how they view me. Yeah, for me, growing up in a Chinese household, I think that I was also kind of taught to sort of mute my emotions 
and stay strong kind of no matter what I was feeling. And the other layer to that is like growing up as a Chinese American male, I think like that's even more of an expectation for you to be strong, not only in the household, but even in society. There's a sense of you know, being masculine and not showing that sort of emotion. And that was definitely a hurdle to, to get over. In terms of telling my parents, I sort of joked around about it in the group setting, just to be more casual about it. And then I had a really serious talk with my mom towards the tail of my last visit. And she was really like sort of encouraging about it. She's definitely the less conservative kind of side of my family. And yeah, it was just nice to hear that she was happy I was doing it. She kind of said that, you know, everyone in the house sort of needs a therapist. <laughs> but they just kind of don't yeah. want to, to do it. And so that was really sort of validating to hear from my mom. That's sweet. You kind of joked that your mom said that everyone in the family should go. If you ever suggested that they actually should, do you think they would? Or is it just completely tethered? I don't think so. I think I think my dad's side of the family, who I'm sort of referring to, is pretty conservative and like stays quiet about that stuff. And I think that's just kind of ingrained in them and that's part of who they are. Another part of it is like they're also not very great at expressing how they feel. And I think like I, I get that from them as well yeah. a little bit. And I think that was kind of another kind of catalyst to to really encourage me to seek therapy and just get better at being able to A, understand what I'm feeling and B, express that to someone else. Yeah, that's my number one reason for going to therapy, actually, because my Asian American parents, they, I would say it's interesting because my dad, he gives so many words of affirmation all the time, like almost too much. But my mom, she's more on like acts of service. And yet I still find it super hard to express emotions outwardly, even though I would say my whole life I've grown up with getting a lot of affection and love from people around me. When you guys are in therapy, do you ever feel like you filter anything? Or are you a complete open book with them? I think I filter and I think she knows that. Mm -hmm. Like she really helps me sort of, I say one thing and she sort of senses I feel another like I'm sort of making excuses for the, the things I say. So yeah, I think that's that's something that really helps me understand what I'm actually feeling. But yeah, definitely starts with me filtering out everything I say and her her just calling bullshit on, <laughs> on what yeah. I'm explaining. I guess it's like a sign that knows what she's doing. Yeah. Right, that she can catch you basically. Mm -hmm. So since I'm only in my second session with my therapist, I don't think I filter anything yet, but I guess maybe I do because... She tends to have to ask me like a lot of questions to get to one point. But I don't think that's a bad thing because everyone has, you know, what works for them. So Jackie, you mentioned that you do filter. Why is that? I realize that I filter a lot of stuff even with the people around me because I care about their perception of me. So even with my therapist, I felt like I even need to build a picture for her. And it was hard for me to start to realize like, oh, this therapist really needs to know everything before she can uncover what she needs to uncover. And it did take me a really, really big handful of sessions until I'm like, okay, I think I'm ready to be fully open of everything. And even, it's funny because even about this podcast, she told me that she was even surprised that I was <laughs> starting it. And I thought that was really funny because I'm still in shock now that I'm doing this. But that to me has showed, like I'm making a lot of progress on... Just being a lot more open, I think I talk a lot of stuff with my therapist and it makes me realize, okay, I am comfortable with saying this to my friends. And then now I share stories with you guys and now I'm sharing it online to everyone who is hearing this. So I think I kept forcing myself to paint a picture for everyone to see, but now I'm more open of like, 
you know, I'm just being me. I'm just being who I am and you can just take it or leave it. And that's where I'm at now. Yeah, I definitely feel that sometimes or most of the time, I don't know I'm filtering things. Mm-hmm. I, I sort of paint what I think is an image of myself mm-hmm. and what I think I'm feeling. But, you know, like two questions later, I discover it is sort of filtered. So it's not like I'm lying. <laughs> um, I, I don't intentionally try to lie to her, but I didn't know that about myself until she asked those questions. And so it's until after the fact that I, I realized that I am blocking some things out. That reminds me of what you were saying in the car yesterday about like your subconscious and how the first seven years of your life you decided things already in, in the back of your head and mm-hmm. that kind of ties in what you just said about how like you see yourself a certain way and you think you are this. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, because of this, of course I'm going to think this, but maybe you don't actually. So I think that's cool. Do you guys get emotional during your therapy sessions or are you very just calm and able to talk about whatever? I think I'm an emotional person in general. So when it comes to therapy sessions, it also forces me to uncover stuff that I've been suppressing. I would say I am emotional around people. Like you can tell what my emotions are through my face, through my actions, all that stuff. But when it comes to deeper things, I usually put on a fake picture of that. I try to hide it. I try to make it seem that everything is perfect. So then during the therapy sessions, I started to realize, oh shit, this is the stuff that I haven't dealt with for the longest time because I'm pushing it down so far. I think when I was talking earlier about how COVID kind of makes you realize to face your own emotions, you're with yourself almost 24 seven now, you are quarantined and all you have to do is really just sit with your thoughts and talking to a therapist. They're really just opening that Pandora box and now my emotions really just spill out. I'm personally pretty calm. Uh, (laughs) That's an understatement. (laughs) I, I mean, personally, I'm not like a very sort of hourly emotional person, for better or for worse. And so my, my therapy sessions are usually pretty chill. I wouldn't say like I break down. But yeah, I think I just I just really feel things a lot. And again, it's difficult for me to express that. And I, I just try my best to do so. But it, I don't really emote too much uh, of what I'm feeling. It just sort of comes out slowly throughout the session. Yeah, I'm kind of a crybaby in my sessions and I didn't think I would be just because I think outwardly I don't portray too many emotions to people so I think because of that it's exactly why when my therapist is like drawing inside of me all these answers that I had never thought about before it makes me just have a lot of moments of realization and it's not like sad tears it's more like tears of relief almost Mm -hmm. like wow I'm finally understanding things about myself that I most definitely did not before is there any tidbits that you've gained from your therapist that you would like to share to the listeners my therapist really drove home the fact that as a therapist they should never tell you what to do they can only help you get there and that really clicked in my mind I was like yeah I shouldn't be going to therapy to find someone to tell me exactly what I need to do but they're going to help me get there and we're going to do it together yeah I will echo that like I think you shouldn't sort of go into therapy with a sort of expectation that if you do a b and c you get the result that you want so at the end of a session what would make you kind of sit back and say like wow that was a really great session I know it's a great session when I feel a sense of relief that I finally got everything that's on my chest and also When my therapist points out the progress that I made, there are many times where I go back to my therapist and I'm like, I feel like everything I did was for nothing. Everything was lost. And then she'll kind of bring me back to the middle and say, this is where you were a couple months ago. Look at you now. Mm -hmm. Like how far have you come? And it makes me realize 
that everything that I've been working towards, I've made big steps and big progress, but I wouldn't see it myself because I'd be too hard on myself. But to have kind of an outside perspective kind of pointed out, I finally see the bigger picture. Do you feel that way after every session? What percentage of sessions would you say you're actually like, wow, that was great. Can't wait to talk to her again next week. Because as someone who's never really tried it before, I understand that it, you know, all builds to like one larger situation, but it's also like, is this a waste of time almost? Like, do you get that gratification every session is, I guess, what I'm wondering. I think the, one of the measures of success is really the sense of accountability that I feel. Like, I think that having someone checking in with me every week has that sense of like, I'm invested in this for an hour a week and it's, it's not cheap. So I'm investing in myself in this sense. So after every session, whatever we talk about, I'm taking that back to my life and working on those things for the week so that I can say, hey, I did this and this and I, I feel great. Or like, you know, I failed to do it. And like, how can I kind of fight through these emotions and really push through these next kind of few days so that, you know, I can make progress in whatever we're working on. Like I mentioned, I'm only in my second session with my current therapist, but it was really important for me to find someone who is either first gen or an immigrant and a person of color and just specifically for me, a woman, because my first therapist, she was great, but I realized that I have a lot of intergenerational trauma that I needed to uncover and I needed someone who could bring that perspective, that unique perspective that not a lot of people can have. So the idea of intergenerational trauma is when, specifically for me, when my parents immigrated from South Korea, they brought a bunch of generational thoughts, beliefs, ideals, and systems, and indirectly or directly passed them all on to me and my brother. And the idea is that that'll keep getting passed on. But the reason that it's so important to me is because they've passed down a lot of things such as racism, exclusion, questions of self-identity belonging that I was struggling with so much. And I didn't realize that I had these problems until I realized my therapist could not help me through them. And on top of intergenerational trauma, as first-generation Asian Americans during COVID and during a public health crisis on top of xenophobia and racism, I feel like we have a really unique collective trauma in this moment. And I want to give credit to The Cosmos, which is a health and wellness organization for Asian women. And they really try to foster community and they're based all around the U.S. So if you're interested, you should go check them out. But they really give resources and a sense of community for people like us who have this unique collective trauma that no one else has. And I don't know about anyone else in the room right now, but The Cosmos is personally the first resource and community where I've seen anyone like me talk about mental health. So how do you know in the context of intergenerational trauma, how do you know you've overcome those sort of fears? So I definitely have not yet overcome them. I think the first step for me was to realize I had them and I'm currently in the process of talking through it and just trying to figure it out. I just went on a spiel about Asian American women having this sense of community Ed, have you seen the same type of community forming for Asian American men? No, I haven't seen community in that sense. And I think that it's much needed. April mentioned earlier that it's become much more talked about, especially in New York. It seems like everyone sort of has a therapist and is really encouraging others to, to talk about it more. And so I feel comfortable sharing the fact that I'm on this podcast really kind of, I think, goes a long way to show that it, it does feel different. And I think there's a much more welcoming 
sort of vibe to, to really kind of express that side of me. It's funny that you say that because when I first moved here to New York, the first thing someone told me is go get a therapist. Yeah, I think I definitely get that. New York City is definitely moving at like five times speed mm-hmm. and it's not normal, but you want to be able to keep up in a way that it is healthy and you're making sure that you're okay as you're navigating your hustle, mm-hmm. whether it's the corporate life or you're starting your own business. You just want to feel feel good. What's your ideal self? You know, at the end of the tunnel, after therapy or somewhere down the line, like what's ideal JoJo, Jackie, April? What do you, what do you want out of it? What I want out of therapy is to finally love myself. All these thoughts that are coming at me are completely valid. And basically out of all of all this therapy and in the future therapy sessions, I just want more awareness of myself to know how do I act? Do I like this part of me? What do I want to change and what steps to get there? Taking notes of how I've been doing that for everything else in my life. And when I'm faced with new challenges, I'm able to navigate those. For me, it's just being comfortable with my own thoughts because my internal monologue just screams. Mm -hmm. So I think just being really comfortable with my thoughts and owning my thoughts and being able to express them to anyone, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's with family, friends, relationships in general. I think my ideal self is mostly just confident and comfortable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel that a lot. I think for me, it's being able to be confident to achieve the things that I know in the back of my head I really want to achieve. And the second is something I read in an article recently. She refers to it as a resilience bank account. So it's really sort of this collection of resilience that you built up to handle, you know, like Jackie said, any situation, whatever life throws at you, being able to just feel like you're able to overcome that. Right now, I feel like with COVID and everything and this sort of in-betweenness with work, I think that I might be a little bit in debt, um, (laughs) but it's really kind of about getting back to zero and yeah. building that up for me. It's worth the investment, I'd say. Yeah. So what have you learned the most about yourself through therapy? I definitely learned that a lot of what I'm worried about just comes from my own head and the stories that I tell. Mm-hmm. And my inner monologue is like screaming 24-7. Yeah. And so it just helps to be able to feel ownership of that and be able to talk back to whoever's up there and feel like I'm able to kind of look at it from a different perspective and feel like I can sort of control those emotions. Yeah, another a kind of example of that is socially. When I meet someone, I'm always kind of curious what they think about me, especially like when I'm first introducing myself. And so that, that's sort of my strongest voice of like, do they think I'm weird? Do they think like um, I'm lame? I'm always kind of having that, those thoughts in my head. So just being able to understand that I'm telling that story to myself. Nine times out of 10, they're probably thinking like, oh, I'm really interested in who this person is. And so just being able to have that perspective and really view my own thoughts as as something that I've definitely learned. So what would you tell someone that's thinking about trying therapy? I'd say go for it. Like, I mean, it doesn't hurt to really just even kind of explore. All the intro sessions, whether it's like 10 or 20 minutes, they're all free. Everyone's kind of open to just chatting. I think like helps to go in with a bit of intention of like why you want to be there and just just explore. Don't worry about what others think. It took me about say three to four months to tell anyone, including my friends. But yeah, I think just do it for yourself and it doesn't hurt. I remember someone once told me, you should treat yourself like you would treat your best friend when it comes to therapy. Like you would do ideally anything for them. So why wouldn't you do the same for yourself? Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Asian Glow Up. We hope that 
we were able to take something of value away from our experiences when it comes to therapy. And thank you so much to Ed for coming and sharing your experiences. I know therapy and mental health topics are very hard to talk about and it's a very big subject, so thank you for sharing. Of course, thank you for having me. And make sure you follow us at Asian Glow Up Pod on Instagram. We post a new episode every Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Woo!